today on Cornerstone Connection with Pastor Gary Hamrick. You know, marriage is about two imperfect people who are coming together. And in our imperfections, it will generate sometimes conflict. It is important to realize that there are going to be just real differences in every marriage. There are gender differences, okay? How a woman sees the world is sometimes very different than how a man sees the world. A woman looks through pink glasses, a man looks through blue glasses, and we see things differently sometimes just in your own household. This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through 1 Corinthians. Marriage is the union of two imperfect people, which creates an opportunity for disagreement. Pastor Gary points out in his message today that it is important to realize that each person will see things very differently than their spouse. While you can easily anticipate conflict, you also need to understand this creates an opportunity for the devil to drive a wedge in your relationship. Whatever is valuable is worth fighting for, and this often means compromise in a marriage. Make sure there are three people in your relationship you, your spouse, and the counsel and guidance of the Holy Spirit. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 7 with today's edition of Cornerstone Connection. What Paul is saying here is, you just learn to be content right where God has you. Now, God can obviously know your heart, and it's okay to pray and say, Lord, this is what this is I would like. And I'm particularly talking to those of you who are single. I'm not encouraging you married to say, this is what I would like, you know. You know, don't, don't, don't be praying that. But, but particularly those of you single, it's okay to just, you know, make your request known to God, all right? But then, but then trust Him with your future and learn to be content, just to be content, right where God has you, okay? It's important. When we get all worked up about, you know, I want this, I want that, and Lord, you know, why does it? And it's just, there's something about that frenzy that, that is not productive in, in our lives spiritually. And so it's best to just learn to whatever my circumstance, wherever I am, whatever my season, I'm just going to be content right, right where I am, and I'm going to trust the Lord. I got that as good advice when I was young and single. I was in love with, I was lovesick. I was in love with that girl for two years, and she didn't even notice me. Okay? She was dating another guy, all right? Very serious relationship. She'd been, like, in in this relationship with this guy for, like, three years. I'm not going to say anything bad about him. He was a nice guy, and I just, uh, (laughs) but, I'm just scratching my head. But anyway... But, you know, but, but seriously, he actually was a very nice guy. And, um, and, and, and yet, you know, and, and so I was like all 
like, ah, you know, why doesn't she notice me? And, you know, and, I, I'm, and I'm not the kind of guy that I'm going to go swooping in. Like some of you guys are like that with a girl that you were, you're just like, I don't care if she's with another guy. I'm swooping in, you know, <laughs> soaring like an eagle. I'm going to swoop, swoop right in there. And she's going to notice. That wasn't me. That wasn't me. I just, that's just my personality. I'm like, okay, I'm going to respect this. She's with another guy, you know. And so, but for like two years. Now, there was this glorious, because uh, we were in the same like young adults college age group at the church we were going to. And so there was this, uh, <laughs> there's this ski trip that a bunch of us went on. Okay. And so we're on the ski lift. And I'd only been skiing like one, one other time before this. And so we're on a ski lift and I'm, and I'm just like a puppy. I'm just like sick in love. And I'm just like, you know, the whole time and she's with this boyfriend. Okay. And they got on the chair on the ski lift in front of me. And so I'm on, the, I'm on the chair behind, and, you know, we're going up the ski lift, and I'm seeing them in front of me, in, this, in the chair in front of me, and they're, like, talking, and they're, like, <laughs> and I was, like, oh, how sick is this, you know? And, I, and so, and, but they're going up on the ski lift, and so then the ski lift, and so then their chair, you know how it is, if you've been skiing, you've got you to gotta get right off as that lift goes, or, it's, or you're going to, you know, go with it. And so you've got you to gotta get your, your poles ready, you've got your skis ready, and so as the lift comes right, you've got to get right off there. And so she and her boyfriend got off first, and they're waiting there for me and the other people who are in our college group. But as I got off the chair, I'm just looking at her, and I'm just like, oh. And I didn't even realize that the chair had dumped me off, and I dump right onto her and fall right on top of her. Right on top of her. And she's, you know, we're face to face. She's on her back, and I'm on, and, I'm, and my face is on her face. All right, and and her boyfriend is looking over us like this, and I don't know. He muttered something like, "Are you done?" It was something like that, but um, but you know, anyway, it worked out. <laughs> but uh, but but the thing is, but the thing is, the advice I got at that time was, you just need to relax, and you just need to trust God, and you just need to rest, and stop getting all anxious. And so just trust God. And so, and I can tell you from personal experience, when I got into that place of just, okay, Lord, I'm content. I'm content in you. And so if she ever comes into my life or not, if you, whoever you might have for me or not, I'm just content right where you have me. And it wasn't much after that, that then (laughs) she saw the light. That's all I can tell you. And so, but, but, so my encouragement to you, just like rest wherever God might have you and trust him and and just look to him and find your contentment in the lord so that's what he's saying here now he gives he gives a couple of examples here that seem almost kind of like what but but look at verse 18 he he says was a man already circumcised when he was called he should not become uncircumcised which obviously you you, you can't do so i'll explain in a moment he says was a man uncircumcised uh, when he was called, he should not be circumcised. Uh, circumcision is nothing, and uncircumcision is nothing. Keeping God's commands is what counts. And then he's going to give another example, and, uh, and then I'll come back to it. Verse 20 he says, Each one should remain in the situation which he was in when God called him. Were you a slave when you were called? Don't let it trouble you. Although if you can gain your freedom, do so. For he who was a slave when he was called by the Lord is the Lord's freedman. Similarly, he who was a free man when he was called is Christ's slave. You were bought at a price. Do not become slaves of men. Brothers, each man as responsible to God should remain in the situation God called him to. 
Okay? So basically, he's, he's talking about whatever state you were in when you became a Christian, just rest in that and be content in that. So he says, if you were uncircumcised, that would be basically a Gentile, you know, predominantly speaking in that day. If you were uncircumcised, then just, you know, remain in, in that state. You don't, circumcision doesn't mean anything because the, the covenant has been fulfilled in Christ, okay? It was a mark, a sign that you belonged as children of Abraham. But, but Paul says, and on the other end, if you were circumcised, if you're a Jew and you come to faith in Christ, okay, fine. He says, if you're a slave. Now, first century Roman Empire, okay, there were hundreds of thousands of slaves in the first century Roman Empire. It wasn't a good thing. It was just the way that it was back in the day. And Paul even says here, if you can get your freedom, get it. But he says, even in that situation, just trust the Lord, okay? And he says, and if you're a freed man, become a slave of Christ. Become one who recognizes that Jesus is your master. Become that, that slave, that doulos in the Greek, that the one who is under the lordship of Jesus as one who is completely uh, surrendered to him as master. So he says, but just whatever point you come into the faith, don't be anxious to move on to some other stage or status. Just be content. That's what he says here at the end of verse 24, that each man, each woman, as responsible to God, should remain in the situation God called him to. Right? Verse 25. Now he's got some more, he's got some more advice now in verse 25. Now he's going to refer to virgins, and so he's predominantly talking about those who were single and never married, Uh, In verse 25, down through verse 38, he says this, Now about virgins, I have no command from the Lord, but I give a judgment as one who by the Lord's mercy is trustworthy. Because of the present crisis, just underline that, we'll come back to it. Because of the present crisis, I think that it is good for you to remain as you are. Are you married? Do not seek a divorce. Are you unmarried? Do not look for a wife. But if you do marry, you have not sinned. And if a virgin marries, she has not sinned. But those who marry will face many troubles in this life, and I want to spare you this. All right, there it is. (laughs) Now, here's basically his advice to those who are single, never married. He says, it's fine to remain single or to marry, depending on your convictions. There is a, I don't think as much now as there were, say, a, a generation ago. But there is almost an expectation that if you're single, you must be married. Again, not as much today as there were, say, a generation ago. But we need to recognize that Paul actually says, if you're single, it's fine if you want to rest in that singleness. And we should honor those who are single and not think about anybody who's single, oh, somehow you haven't arrived because you're not married. And, you know, there's that tendency sometimes for people to think that about singles. And we shouldn't see them that way. We should recognize that in Christ, some people are content to be single. Some people who are single want to be married, and that's fine, too. And Paul adds that, too. If if you're single and you want to be married, fine, get married. But if you're single and you don't want to be married, then that's okay, too. That it's not a status that is better than or less than to be married or to be single. He says, you know, look. There are some realities of the advantages of singleness. And he's going to point them out here in this passage. And one of the things is, he says that they have less troubles. That's, that's what we just read there. He says, I want to try to spare you some troubles because you're going to have troubles if you're married. Now, 
he makes mention there of the present crisis there in verse 26. So there was something going on during the Roman Empire. This is first century. Christians are starting to get persecuted now. Nero the emperor. I mean, he's literally Nero the emperor. You read some history books. I mean, it's tragic, the stuff that he did to Christians. He would tar them alive, cover them in pitch, and then set them on fire and use them as human torches in his garden at the palace in Rome. Okay, that's the kind of guy who was coming to power at this time. And so Christians are starting to get persecuted. And so Paul's basically saying, listen, if you have to be responsible for a a wife, if you're a man, or if you're married as a woman and you have to be responsible, you know, with your husband and a family, he says it's a lot more difficult in the present crisis because when there's persecution, it's hard to have to be responsible for a family. But if you're single, you can face sometimes that persecution, you know, on your own without the added responsibility of having a family in the middle of persecution. But then he he also adds there about having many troubles. Those who marry will face many troubles in this life. And And I want to spare you this. You know, marriage is about two imperfect people who are coming together. And in our imperfections, it will generate sometimes conflict. It is important to realize that there are going to be just real differences in every marriage. There are gender differences, okay? How a woman sees the world is sometimes very different than how a man sees the world. A woman looks through pink glasses, a man looks through blue glasses, and we see things differently sometimes just in your own household. You know, how things are supposed to function can be thought of differently from a woman's standpoint versus a man's standpoint and vice versa. There are gender differences. There just are. And then on top of that, there are personality differences within the genders. You have a personality unique to you that God gave you. Your spouse has a personality unique to that person that God gave them. Sometimes your personalities can be very similar, and sometimes they can be very, very different. And so you have to learn to manage those differences. Uh, You know, the old saying, uh, birds of a feather flock together. That applies for friends, not for marriage. You will choose your friends based on how much you are similar to them. That's just a natural way we choose friends. You want to hang around people that have common interests and you, and you, and you do things that are the same and you laugh at the same jokes and you like the same food. That's, you know, friends. They kind of like birds of a feather flock together. But the saying that is more true about marriage is opposites attract. And the reason why opposites generally attract in a marriage is because that's the way God has designed it to complement one another. Because what you'll often find is that your strengths are your partner's weaknesses, and your weaknesses are your partner's strengths, and that together you complement each other. But here's the rub. Sometimes if you don't appreciate how your differences complement one another, you actually can be irritated by their differences. I'm sure you can't relate. And so all of a sudden, when one person says something and, and that's not the way you see it, then all of a sudden there's the potential for conflict. Now, you know, I, if I knew your story, I would tell it. But I'm going to tell you mine. You know, Terry and I are different. We're very different people. Uh, again, opposites attract. Uh, her strengths are my weaknesses. Uh, my strengths are her weaknesses. So together, when we work together as a team, it works well. And it can either be for, you know, double the joy or double the trouble, depending on how you deal with it. But for example, she's a very spontaneous person, doesn't like a lot of plans, so just go for it and let's just do this, okay? I'm structured, I need a plan, I need some, I need some things in order. Don't, don't judge me, that's just the way I am. And, and I remember one of the first times this came to highlight between the two of us is we were on a trip to Michigan to visit her family. 
And uh, this is many years ago. And I wanted to have it plotted out because, you know, we had young kids at the time and it's like a 16 hour drive. And it's like, you know, I'm not going to pull a 16 hour drive with kids in the backseat. All right. That's just insanity, you know. And so, you know, why, why, why do that? Why torture ourselves with kids in the backseat for 16 hours? And this was back in the day when you only had the minivan without the DVD players. OK, this is all you had is goldfish. Like, have at it, kids. You know, you throw a bunch of goldfish in the back of the minivan. And so 16 hours, it's like goldfish, you know, and that's about all you have. Okay, and so I wanted to have a plan. Here's at the midpoint, we're going to stop. We're going to drive about eight hours. We're going to stop. We're going to go to a hotel. We're going to get out, and we're going to have a good time as a family. And then we're going to be refreshed in the morning, have a little continental breakfast at the hotel, and off we go again. (laughs) And so in my mind, I'm like, okay, midway point, we're going to stop. And so I had a hotel all lined up. And as we get to that midway midway point, Terry's like, let's just keep driving. Why do we want to keep driving? we got a hotel right here. It's been eight hours. Let's, pull up. Let's just keep driving. Everybody's fine. We're having a great time. Let's just keep driving. Let's see how far we can go. <laughs> it's like, what, what, why do I want to see how far we can go? I, we're going to get there soon enough. Let's just cut it right in half. It's kind of a beautiful thing. It's 16 hours, eight hours, and eight hours. It's a wonderful thing. Let's just keep driving. Well, let me just tell you, it became intense fellowship. <laughs> that's... A, that's that's what Christians call it. It's intense fellowship. Okay? But, I mean, that's just one silly example. But we had to, over the years, actually get to the place where we actually said to each other, and I encourage you to do this as a couple, that your, your strengths are my weaknesses. My, my strengths are your weaknesses. We need to stop looking at our differences as competing, and we need to look at our differences as complementing. And we had to be intentional about it. Because anything that is valuable, anything that is worthwhile, takes work and takes effort. So we've had to learn that over the years. All right? Paul says, but when you're single, <laughs> the only person you had to argue with is you. And you don't have the differences. And so in that sense, you are spared some troubles. You have less troubles. Nobody's going to argue with you about you concerning the thermostat. Is that an argument in your house? Okay. And so, um, (laughs) and if it is an argument for you, like, I'm going to turn it down. No, I'm going to turn it up. I'm going to turn it, I'm going to turn it. Then that's a problem. Get counseling for that. But, (laughs) but in general, in general, there's, there's going to be less things that you have in conflict because sometimes those things that should complement end up becoming difficulties that have to be sorted through. So he says, you will have less troubles. The other thing he's going to say, and we'll read it a little bit later. But this is an important thing, that the advantages of singleness is that they can be more devoted to God's work. That a single person who doesn't have the additional responsibility of a family can be freed up a little bit more to do God's work. And so that is an advantage. Single people have done some wonderful thing for the kingdom because they didn't have the additional responsibility of a family and they could be solely devoted to God and God's work. So we'll read that a little bit later when we get down further. But those are some advantages to singleness uh, that he he does highlight here. So read on with me. Um, Verse 29, he says, But what I mean, brothers, is that the time is short. And from now on, those who have wives should live as if they had none. Now, don't underline that. (laughs) Let me just explain. What he he meant is, don't, don't neglect your family, okay, but live life with an eye on eternity. 
Okay, that's, that's what he's talking about in this context here. He says, from now on, those who have wives should live as if they had none. The time is short. So, so be wise about the times and be careful about the day in which you live. And if you are married, don't be so focused only on your family, your marriage. Also keep an eye on eternity and the kingdom. Okay, that's what he means here in this context. From now on, those who have wives should live as if they had none. And those who mourn as if they did not. Those who are happy as if they were not. Those who buy something as if, the, as if it were not theirs to keep. Those who use the things of the world as if not engrossed in them. For this world in its present form is passing away. So in other words, keep an eternal perspective. It's not all about here and now, not all about the earth. Always keep an eternal perspective. He says in verse 32, I would like you to be free from concern. An unmarried man, here's again, this is that part about... They can be more devoted to, um, the singles can be more devoted to God's work. He says, I would like you to be free from concern. An unmarried man is concerned about the Lord's affairs, how he can please the Lord. But a married man is concerned about the affairs of this world, how he can please his wife. Which, by the way, he's implying that is the right thing. If you're married, you should be concerned about how to please your wife. And he says, and his interests are divided. So he says, because you should be concerned about the interests of your wife... You're therefore somewhat divided because you can't serve the Lord like a single person can. So he says, an unmarried woman or virgin is concerned about the Lord's affairs. Her aim is to be devoted to the Lord in both body and spirit. But a married woman is concerned about the affairs of this world, how she can please her husband, which, which is also something a married woman should be concerned about, about how to please her husband. He says, I am saying this for your own good, not to restrict you, but that you may live in a right way in undivided devotion to the Lord. He says, if anyone thinks he is acting improperly toward the virgin he is engaged to, and if she is getting along in years and he feels he ought to marry, then he should do as he wants. He is not sinning. They should get married. But the man who has settled the matter in his own mind, who is under no compulsion, but has control over his own will, and who has made up his mind not to marry the virgin, this man also does the right thing. So then he who marries the virgin does right, but he who does not marry her does even better. Now again, this is, this is Paul's perspective. He's a single man. Time is short. He's going to put an emphasis on singleness. But he's not, he's not in any way diminishing the value of marriage because that is a God-ordained institution that God put in place and that he has blessed. But he's like, because the times are short... It might even be better. And persecution, first century Rome, if you choose even not to marry. And last part here, he gives a final word of advice to widows. Here in verse 39, a woman is bound to her husband as long as he lives. But if her husband dies, she is free to marry anyone she wishes, but he must belong to the Lord. He must belong to the Lord. He must be a Christian. He says, in my judgment, she is happier if she stays as she is, and I think that I, too, have the Spirit of God. So the last word of advice he gives to widows, it's fine to remain single or to remarry, but remarriage must be to a believer. Okay, so if you're in that stage of life, if you are a widow or a widower, and you just feel like I'm going to remain single for the rest of my life, that's okay. But as a widow or a widower, if you feel like you want to get married, that's good too. Just be sure that as a believer, you marry a believer. And that's all we got to say about that.
We hope today's message from the book of 1 Corinthians has blessed you and drawn you closer to Jesus. Pastor Gary has more to share, but this is where we need to end for today. Feel free to read ahead before you join us next time on Cornerstone Connection. If you'd like to listen to this message again or explore other teachings from Pastor Gary Hamrick, just visit cornerstoneconnection.cc. Again, that's cornerstoneconnection.cc. You can even download our mobile app to stay connected to the truth of God's Word everywhere you go. If you're in the Leesburg area, you're invited to join us for our weekly gatherings at Cornerstone Chapel. Come by on Sunday or Wednesday to spend time in worship, Bible study, and fellowship with your brothers and sisters in Christ. You'll be able to find service times and directions on our website. Again, that's cornerstoneconnection.cc or give us a call. We can be reached at 703-771-1500. And when you call, please let us know how we can be praying for you. That number again is 703-771-1500. Would you pray for us too? Please pray that we keep our eyes always on the truth of who God is and that we move forward only by His power. Thanks for praying, and thanks for tuning in today to Cornerstone Connection. They say you're a wandering soul, that you've got no place to go, but still you know.